So last week we looked at the number one survival need, which is water. Uh, absolutely have to have water. Today we're going to look at the second survival need, and that is shelter. Now shelter can be found in a lot of places. Sometimes you can just sleep, you can s sit under a tree as long as the tree had, has good coverage. Um, you should be okay for one night. Caves are another good spot. Um, those are ready-made shelters. And then there's the third type shelter, which is one you have to build. That can be done in a horseshoe shape called a wind shelter. Uh, just put some logs around you and uh, it'll block the wind. It doesn't do much for the cover overhead. But if you're in a climate where it's raining or snowing, you're gonna wanna get in out of the, shelter, or out of the storm and you wanna be at least somewhat protected. Um, shelters are easy to make, actually. The one I'm getting ready to show you took me five minutes. And uh, the reason it took me five minutes is I did bring some rope and I also brought this little guy, which is helpful in any survival situation. It's a multi-tool and was able to construct this shelter pretty easily. Now let's look at it. It doesn't look like much and it doesn't have to be much in a survival situation, but it does do a couple of things. One is, provides a place where I can at least stay under and get out of the elements until it does provide a, a way of sleeping. So, shelter, the number two need in a survival situation. Today, in Psalm 27, verses 4 and 5, we're going to learn that David, King David, was seeking shelter. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there and we'll look at seeking shelter with God. I actually enjoy making those little videos. That, that was only on the fourth take. You have four different takes, either I'm walking along and I trip over something, or I say something, I go, no, I need to fix that. Um, and there's a lot of things that you can do in the wilderness, too. Um, it, particularly if you have a long stick, you can wrap rope around it as you, uh, bef before you go out in the wilderness and you've got ready rope. Also, you can make rope out of uh, certain trees, uh, tree bark you can make rope out of, uh, certain fibers that will work well. But the point here today is David, King David, is seeking shelter. He is seeking shelter. Uh, this psalm, Psalm 27, let's do a little background work on it. Psalm 27, author is King David, probably written later in his life. Uh, scholars believe that this was written at the back end of his life. Um, secondly, this is a poem. And undoubtedly, it expresses confidence in God. However, when you look at the poem, uh, the whole psalm, or poem if you'd like to call it that, um, verses 1 through 6 talk about trusting God. And then something unique happens. Then there is a desperate plea to God in verses 7 to 12. And then in 13 and 14, David comes back and has a renewed hope and confidence and trust in God. I started thinking about that on, on a practical level. It, it, isn't that how we live too? I mean, we start out, we're confident with, with, with God, and then trouble comes. And it kind of challenges us. But ultimately, we get back to the position of, we're going to trust God with this. And this is exactly what David did. The setting was battle imagery. 
So I want you to think of King David getting ready to go into battle. Battle imagery is in verse 2, verse 3, verse 6, verse 11, and verse 12. So David now is getting ready with his soldiers to go into battle, and he is calling on God. He is seeking shelter in God as he begins this battle. The key word here in this entire psalm, the crisis is in the day of trouble. So King David can see as he's getting ready to go into battle against the enemies of God, a day of trouble. So what, is, what do we learn from King David? First of all, we learn that we must trust God with our lives. We must trust God. King David here writes a, a unique phrase actually only found in the Old Testament here. One thing I have asked of the Lord... One thing I have asked of the Lord. Yodehave, the one true God, the only God, the only God that can provide deliverance for King David and for his enemies. He says, one thing I have asked of the Lord. Sha'al, Sha'al is the word ask, and it means to request with diligence. This is something you notice the past tense. One thing I have asked, past tense. This is something that David has not only asked in the past, but King David continues to ask it even up to this very moment of the writing. And uh, very interesting, really, when you look at the word uh, prayer, uh, when you study the word prayer, it simply means talking to God. So King David here is having a discourse with Yodehavev, the one true God, and he's doing it over and over and over again. Prayer, King David, talking to God. When we come to the New Testament, we do find a similar uh, command from the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica, pray without ceasing. See, this is something that David, David had, had come to understand, Yodehave. He had come to understand what he could do for his life and how he had taken care of King David even in times of rebellion, which we know the big King David mistake, the, the sin that he made, and yet God in the same breath can say, King David is a man after my own heart. So God knew and had a personal relationship with King David. And of course, David said, one thing I ask of the Lord. And it's a prayer. What did he ask? He goes on and says, this great statement here, that I will seek after. So not only is he asking for it, but he is seeking after it. Bikesh, which means to search with something. It's a pael verb, which intensifies the meaning. And it refers to somebody who is diligently seeking something. So this is not just a casual, oh, would you please pray for me? Uh, and, 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 and Lord, would you help me here? And uh, I, I just hope that you'll do that. No, King David is, Lord, I am asking and begging you and, and asking you and betreating or asking you to help me in this situation. And Father, I'm going to do it constantly and I'm going to search until I find it, search until I get an answer. That's what King David's doing. This is somebody that is getting ready to go into battle, realizes all of the elements, and now is calling upon the one who had sustained his life for help. Brothers and sisters, we, we can learn something from this. 
that prayer should not be a footnote in our life. It should be a main clause. That we should be praying continually without ceasing. And we should trust Yodehavev is still the same today as he was back when King David spoke to him. And we trust in him. This is key. If you don't trust, you can't live effectively for the kingdom of God. We have to get to the place of trust. Now he says this one thing that I have asked of the Lord and I will seek after it. What's his quest? King David has a quest. This is actually mind-boggling. Uh, when you look at the, the language in the original, uh, when you look at the words here in the original language, he, and we've heard this phrase before, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Where did we hear that before? Psalm 23. You shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, here, the, the interesting thing is David's desire is that he would dwell. Yeshav, yeshav, which means to live or take up residency. We understand that. When you talk about dwelling, you're, you're obviously talking about a place where you come in and you live. Now, what is unique about this phrase is the house of the Lord. Uh, this word house, bayeth, bayeth, has 43 different meanings in the Old Testament. 43 different meanings in the Old Testament. I don't think specifically here it refers to the temple because one of the meanings, context always dictates interpretation. Context always dictates interpretation. Here, not so much the temple... But listen to what Bayeth can mean of those 43 meetings. A temporary dwelling place among soldiers. A temporary dwelling place among soldiers. David knows. King David knows. Lord, I'm going into battle. I'm going to take your people into battle in the name of Yodehavev. And Lord, I want to dwell in your midst. I want you to dwell in our midst. Uh, obviously, King David here is speaking about those who come against the kingdom of God, and he wants God to actually dwell among them. Um, Peter Craigie in his commentary is absolutely right. The central point of this single request is stated to dwell in the house of the Lord the statement should not be taken literally as referring to a temple servant who would actually live perpetually within the temple grounds. I agree with that based on the meaning of the word. It refers rather to living permanently in the presence of God. What David is asking for here is that he, God, and David would coexist in the same space. He wanted the presence of God on him and his army. The issue here is not so much the location either, but it is the presence of God. One of the books that I had to read in the, in the doctoral program, particularly when it, we were talking about prayer, and uh, was, was a man named Brother Lawrence, the Practice of the Presence of God. Very good, uh, very godly book. Uh, and Brother Lawrence wrote, wrote this, for most, the most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding a constant pleasure in his divine company, 
seeking humbly and loving him in all seasons, whether good, bad, indifferent. We love him at all times and at every moment without limiting the conversation in any way. In other words, uh, David here is wanting this. He is wanting the presence of God. And David has continually talked to God about this. Lord, Lord, I seek and I search and I, 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 I want your presence in our midst. I want you there. Why? Because David understood something. You cannot beat the enemies of God without the presence of God. David knew that. David knew that. Wow. And then, secondly, not only did David want the presence of God, he says here, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Hmm. To gaze upon the beauty. You didn't do that in the Old Testament. You didn't really look at God. God told Moses in Exodus 33:23, I will remove my hand from you and you will see my back, but my face you must not see. So if he's not talking about to gaze upon God, this is beautiful, by, by, by the way. Uh, the word gaze is hazah, which means to gather information about something or someone. In this case, it is God to gaze, to get information not actually to see God's face. And, and then it's really clarified by the word beauty. Uh, noam. Noam. And it translates to be the loving kindness of God. So what is David asking? This is, this is not the physical presence of God, not looking at God. That was kind of unheard of in the Old Testament. But what David is asking for is an experiential experience of the presence of God. How many of you have at times in your life received something from God that you knew was from God? That is to gaze upon the actions of God. David's saying, Lord, I want to see you in the midst of this. I want to see you at work in the midst of this. I want to gaze upon what you and only you can do in my life. And this, should, this is King David's heart is coming out here. King David's heart is coming out. And he's saying, Lord, I want so much of you and I want to see you. I want to see you at work. And Father, I'm not going to stop seeking that. I'm not going to stop uh, waiting for that. I'm hoping every minute of every day to see your hand and your presence in my life. Wow, he's pretty deep spiritually. <laughs> when you think, you think this is Old Testament, God was so external he couldn't be reached. David's saying, I want your presence, Lord. I want to see you in my life. And when I see you in my life, I gaze upon the beauty and the grace and the love which you have for me. I see it and I acknowledge it and I praise you. Mm. John Golden Gay is correct in his commentary, given the Old Testament hesitation about the idea of looking at Yahweh at all, the idea of looking at Yahweh's personal delightfulness, Naom or Noam, uh, would be surprising. But 
notion of looking at Yahweh's delightfulness is clarified by the other currents of it, and that is in Psalm 90, verse 17, the favor of God, or to see the acts of God. It denotes the delightfulness of what Yahweh does for his people rather than his personal being. So, brothers and sisters, when you see God at work in your life, when you see something that God did that only God can do, you are gazing upon the beauty of God and the presence of God. Wow, that should force us to praise him, to want to worship him and to raise our hands and, and, and even to clap and to shout about this great God that we worship and that we serve. David wants so much to see God at work. And he's inviting God. When was the last time you invited God and practice the presence of God in your own life. See, this is where I think we miss a lot of opportunities. If you wake up tomorrow morning, you get out of your bed and you just say, Lord, I want to see you at work around me. You would be amazed at what God would reveal to you. Just stuff that we miss every day. We just go about our days. I do it too. I've done it and we've all done it. Just kind of go along our lives and, oh, wow, okay, that's cool. Oh, 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 brothers and sisters, that's the hand of God. And so we can stop and acknowledge those and celebrate it. And, and just have, why not have this as the heart of your life, that you seek the Lord with all of your heart and want his presence in your life and to see God at work in your life. I, I guess what we need here is a change of mindset. Whether we're facing surgeries, whether we're facing whatever it is in our lives, we need a change of mindset. We need to know that we need to live as if we are in the presence of God because we are. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and takes up residency, and so we know that God is with us through the power and the indwelling Holy Spirit. To know that we are in the presence of God will also change how we live our lives. But King David here, he wanted, he wanted God. He wanted a confrontation. He, he wanted God in his life and the movement of, of God in his life. And to inquire of his temple. Yes, this is the temple. So as D David kind of does two things here. One is he says, Lord, I want you in our presence, our, our, in our midst. I want your presence here. And Father, I just want to see, I want to see your hand at work. I want to look upon the beauty of your grace and your loving kindness towards me. I want to see that. And also, I will go to the temple to inquire of you. This is, you could say, uh, I want to see God at work, but I'm also going to go to church. I'm going to go to church. By the way, you should go to church. Let's get that established. <laughs> Church is a priority. What he's seeking there is guidance from God. Not only does David want to see his presence and what God is doing for him, but he also wants to seek God. What does God have to say about it? And for David, I, I can't prove this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out and say something that I think is correct. I think David was inquiring of God, how do I fight these people? Because of the situation that he's going through. So 
David may have gone into the, to the temple and just prayed and said, God, please. By the way, a lot of problems in our life would go a lot differently if we inquired of the Lord how to deal with them. We trust in God in times of trouble. Pretty easy sentence there. We trust in God in times of trouble. And now something happens. I want you to see this. This is masterful by King. Of course, everybody, King David was masterful. Uh, again, he had boinks like we do. But um, notice he says, this is something, uh, when we trust God with all of our heart, we want to see him move in our lives, see and seek him and and we do that repetitively over and over and over again. Something happens. Something happens. For he, notice David says, for he will hide me. You catching this? You see where David's going with just these two little verses? I seek this, and Lord, you know that I seek this. And David comes to a resolution that God will protect him. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. Ra'ah. Ra'ah is the day of trouble, the day of evil, the day of wickedness, the day of harm, the day of wrongdoing. It refers to all of those things. David was facing such a time. It was a day of trouble for David. David was living for God, and yet that day of trouble would come to his doorstep, and that's why he recalled on God to help him through that time of trouble. You know, when I look at the New Testament, I'm mindful of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, by the way, this is a temporary shelter for Sukkoth which we will get into there. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, apparently this uh, didn't uh, update when I made the changes before church. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, all those who seek to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. They will have times of suffering. They will have times of sh uh, problem. David says here, he will hide me in, the sh in his shelter. Sukkah, which is where we get the word Sukkoth, which is this. Israel used these temporary shelters in the wilderness as a place of protection. It was a way that God had protected them, kept them safe. It's also known as the Feast of Booths, if you want to look it up. Number two, verse 5a. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. The word conceal. Some mikvavrash. That's a mouthful to say. Some mikvavrash. It means, listen to this, to hide as so to not be seen. This looks like a jungle picture, right? There's, there's a sniper in there. And they had like five different pictures and I'm like looking, I'm trying to see it and then I went to the next picture and they said look here and went to the next picture, look here. It took four, because you know, kind of slow at getting this, but it took four pictures before they finally put a circle around it and said there. 
I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it now. You can't see it, but his helmet's right in here. King David says that he will conceal me. He will hide me so that the enemy cannot find me. He will hide me under his tent in a way that they will not even be able to see me because I am protected by the hand of God. You want a good verse? I'm going to give you a good verse. Write it down. Memorize it. It's this. Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Write that down. Anytime that you're going through a hard time, you can come back to this verse and, and read what David said. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And Lord, you are my hiding place. Brothers and sisters, God is where we run to for refuge and protection. He is the one that will keep us and sustain us. And no harm will come to us. It doesn't mean that we won't be battered and beaten, but we will not ultimately be destroyed because God is our Father, Creator, and He watches over us. Do you all believe that? Yeah. David. You notice what is absent from these verses so far? What's absent from these verses is thank you very much, God. I can do this on my own. I've got this covered. Really. And because what we're getting ready to read about being highly exalted, lifted up, uh, you have to not be prideful to get that. King David was like this, brothers and sisters. And you know what? God saw David's heart. I think King David really needs me. King David knows that I'm the one that protects him. Why is it that we forget that sometimes in our lives? This is another good thing to do, bookmarks. You know, bookmarks and pages, you, know, you shut the page and then you come back to it, you got the bookmark there, you can look at it and you start where you, where you left off on a book. But bookmarks in your life, write those down. You can call them benchmarks, bookmarks, fine. You write those moments down. So when you get in a situation, you can go back and go, Whoa, look at what God did there. Look at what God did there. Look at what God did there. Look at what God has done. Okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Sometimes you need, a, you need your faith pumped up a little bit. This is never, ever, ever about what we can do. It is about what God can do through a life that is surrendered to him. Right? And that's where we need to get. And then lastly... In times of trouble, not only does God protect, but he is stronghold. He will, David says, after he sought him, wants his presence, uh, seeking him with all of his heart, uh, 
David comes to the conclusion here that he will lift me high upon the rock. Rishvav mem, lift high. Rishvav mem, lifted high. The literal translation means to be exalted. It reminds me of the numerous biblical passages that said that says God hates those who are arrogant. But he loves the humble and will raise them up at the right time. He will protect them. Rock is suo. Suo. It's a mass of stone with a steep elevation. That's what the word literally means. This is a castle in Germany. So high. I mean, I've been to Neuswanstein. We've been to Neuswanstein. This, this thing is towering. Um, this is also almost, uh, back in the day, was v almost could not breach it. And even if you were to manage to get up here, there was so much fortress that you couldn't get to it. This is the image that I drew in my mind uh, that, that, that God says, your enemies are down here. I am going to lift you up so that they will not be able to get you because I am your stronghold. I am the one that will take care of you. Uh, David, and I no doubt David saw the presence of God in the midst, and that's, that's why David had so much courage because he knew that his God would protect him. He had seen God work in his life over and over and over again and knew that when he called upon God, even in the midst of struggle, and he did, but he comes back in verse 13 and 14 and has a renewed hope in God. He has a moment here, but he's ref you see what he's doing? He's kind of refreshing uh, memory. He's saying, I know that God will take care of me. He's told me, if I remain humble, I will be exalted. And you know what? That's the same thing in our lives. We can never get to a place of pride. Because pride will lead to an ultimate what? Downfall. We've got to get back to trusting God. Enemy couldn't get to that. Nobody can get to you either. So what do we do with this? Let me give you three quick things. Number one, desire Christ with your whole heart. Do you desire Christ with your whole heart today? I, I can't answer that for you. You and God know. But desire him with your whole heart. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, Father, I want you more than anything. Secondly, not only desire Christ with your whole heart, but look at how God is moving in your life. I think... Newt Larson always told us to make sure we make a difference between what the Bible says and I think. So I think a lot of times during the day we miss what God is doing in our life simply because we're not looking for it. 
we're all guilty of that. We go through our days and we just, you know, little things happen here and we just kind of don't focus on it. Watch how God shows up in your life this week. Number three, and I'm going to say this very bluntly. Live as if God is walking with you, holding your hand. Because he is. We don't see him physically, but God has given us the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. We are the dwelling place of God. Can you imagine that? God used to dwell in the temple. Now he dwells in us. By the way, it's because of that that someday when we breathe our last here, the Holy Spirit takes us to heaven and we be in the presence of God. Lastly, lastly, I want you to hear this and I want you to hear it good. God will protect you. And I know sometimes you're facing stuff and it's scary. I think David could kind of relate to you. Sometimes you're facing things that are scary. I just want to tell you, no matter what happens, God will protect you. And sometimes he protects you when you don't even need, know you need protection. I know you've heard this story a lot. I remember Marcus Carraway in class one day, way back yonder when I was in Bible college, Dr. Windsor asked for prayer requests, and Marcus Carraway raised his hand. He said, I just want to tell you, um, you know, on driving on the interstate coming to school today, he said there was a big cloud burst and rain came down, and he said he slipped off the interstate and kind of spun, and he said, but God protected me. And everybody in the class, we didn't go, oh, that's a bummer. No, we said, amen. And you know what Dr. Windsor said after that? Dr. Windsor looked at Marcus and he said, that's one you know about. There's many others you don't know about. But I'm going to tell you this. God will protect you. This is something we should be doing every day. Seeking God. Seeking shelter. And then just know that God will take care of you. You want to do that this week?